Well, thanks for joining us today. Uh, the kids, elementary age kids, can join Pastor Becky uh, back with the younger kids. We have a lot of fun lessons planned today. And I want to especially welcome our friends online. Thank you for being adaptable. Um, if you didn't know, we are a, a people who are very dependent on internet, aren't we? Like when the internet goes down, I think I talked about last week, when you lose your phone, we're like, ah, like we don't know what to do. Well, um, we are adapting today. And so our friends online are joining us by Facebook Live and also we'll be posting the service a little bit later. But how are you all doing today? Good, yeah? A little energy, right? Did everybody get a cup of coffee out there? Maybe, or if you're at home, you've you got your second cup here. So I'm Pastor Chris. If you're new here, this is your first time with us, I want to especially welcome you in person, also online too. And we want to get to know you, connect with you. Our motto here is uh, that you belong, you belong here, and we want you to feel at home. So make yourself at home, and I hope that you'll uh, form some great connections here. Um, well, we're starting a new sermon series today, and uh, we have a little kickoff video for you to see what this is going to be about. My city. These are my people. I've seen a lot of things in this town. Things I don't like. Bad people taking advantage of the weak. Good people down on their luck. Innocent people suffer. Talk to God a lot. Sometimes he talks back. So I ask him, when are you going to do something about all this? You know what his answer was? You wouldn't believe me if I told you. My name is Habakkuk. This is my story. So when God doesn't make sense, we're going to be looking in the book of Habakkuk today and the next two weeks. This is a three-part series here. If you've never heard of it, read it, anything, it's a book in the Old Testament. It's very short and sweet, and we're going to get to it. Um, and, and so just like we saw in that little video, um, maybe you've noticed that there are many questions in life that are very difficult to answer, right? Big questions like, why do we say the alarm clock is going off when it's really going on, mm. right? Why do we drive on a parkway but park in a driveway? Why do you say, this is all you parents here, why do you say I slept through the night like a baby when a baby wakes up every two hours? Or if you throw a cat out of a car, why do we not call that kitty litter? I'm a cat fan, don't worry. So, but all of that reminds me of that, the book of the Bible that we're about to study. And um, every time that my cat coughs up a hairball, I think he says the name Habak, Habak, right? It seems like, that's what it seems like you're saying. Um, but other of us say the, the name Habakkuk, Habakkuk, that's the way to pronounce his name. Um, but in the driving question, uh, the driving idea behind this, this book is the question of why doesn't God seem fair? Why doesn't God seem fair? Maybe you've asked this before, maybe you've asked this even recently. And, uh, and so uh, right away in the book, uh, Habakkuk goes in and asks this question and he says this, he says, how long, O Lord, 
Must I call for help, but you don't listen? Or I cry out to you, violence, but you do not save. Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? And if you fast forward from this Old Testament book that is a long, long time ago, over almost 3,000 years ago, we see the same questions that we're still asking, aren't we? Why do good things, bad things happen to good people? Why do good things happen to bad people? Why does the jerk in the cubicle next door get promoted, right? Why does that Christian parent who is just so good with their kids, why do they get cancer and die at an early age? What's up with that, right? Why, why do you see that, that a family that raises their kids well, they invest in them, but then they go off on their own way and get into all sorts of things, and then you have uninvolved parents that the kids turn out to be superstars? Or someone prays, and they get answered all the time, even for that parking spot. <laughs> but you get radio silence when you pray for the big things. You know, God, why? Why, why don't you seem fair? But as we study the book of Habakkuk, we're going to ask deep questions like this. And, and the thing is, Habakkuk was a prophet. He was a prophet, and he was incredibly in love with God. He had a rich faith. He followed God. Um, but, but like so many people, so many of us, he crashed head on into kind of this idea of a faith law that good things should happen to good people, bad things should happen to bad people. And, but the things that he saw in his life and in the world didn't line up with the things that he believed. And maybe you can relate with that. Maybe even in our world today, as we look around at all these tragedies, you can, you can relate with that and those questions come up. But what I wanna do kind of starting out here is to set up a context to bring br a broader understanding of where Habakkuk is. And so, just some of the basics. Um, also, if you've got a, a worship guide, these are printed in your notes too if you want to follow along. Those of you guys online, you can visit our, visit our website. It's also printed there. So Habakkuk is one of what's called the 12 minor prophets. There's 12 minor prophets. And um, they're minor, not because they didn't get into the major leagues, but they're shorter and smaller books. And so in the Old Testament, there's actually multiple minor prophets for every major prophet, major prophets being like Isaiah, Jeremiah, maybe Ezekiel, maybe you've heard of some of them. And it's interesting, I heard this quote this week that even in our own modern day society, modern day prophets, for every Martin Luther King, for every Desmond Tutu, for every Mother Teresa and Wincoop, there are dozens of minor prophetic voices who faithfully call the church to seek justice, to love mercy, to walk humbly and to reflect Christ. And you may be one of them. For every major prophet, there are minor prophets, ones that we don't hear about as often, but that are still doing this kind of work. And so in, in the Old Testament though, um, of the 12 minor prophets, we know less about Habakkuk than the rest. Um, and so who was he? He was most likely a musician in the temple at the time when the worship of God, kind of like a worship leader. But at some point, he became a priest and a prophet. And the question is, well, what is a prophet? Well, a prophet is someone who speaks on behalf of God, who hears from God and speaks on behalf of God. And sometimes we think of prophetic voice as kind of the fortune-telling aspect or telling of the future. That's only a very small piece of it. But a prophet's major deal was to be truth-telling, especially to power, especially to authority. And so 
A prophet would speak whatever God told him or her. And so uh, the book of Habakkuk was written about 600 BC, 600 years before Christ. And this was a time period when God's people were very, becoming very corrupt. That they had, there's eyes set on God, but they kind of drifted. You know, that happens sometimes in religion that we kind of have a good idea starting out, but then we get off course and associated with other things. And there was a lot of violence that was going on. There were a lot of bad things happening, bad people doing bad things to good people, and even good people who really weren't so good. And so Habakkuk basically starts out by asking the question, like, what, right? Huh? Like, this doesn't seem fair. This doesn't seem fair that, that bad things are happening and, and people are hurting one another. And so what's interesting is maybe that's why perhaps Habakkuk's name Get this, his name means to embrace, but also to wrestle. To embrace and to wrestle. Think about those things. What do you think of when you usually hear the word West, wrestle? WWE, or those of us in the old days, WWF, right? Hulk Hogan, you have those guys. But, but it's interesting, um, I looked up a couple of the picture, of pictures of different kinds of wrestlers. And you know, it's very hard to tell whether wrestlers, professional wrestlers, are wrestling or they're hugging. It's very hard. If you don't believe me, check out a couple of these. Is this wrestle or hug? What do you think? By the look of his face, this is a wrestle. This is a wrestle situation. What about the next one? Wrestle or hug? It's a hug, right? You kind of tell like the demeanor, because wrestlers do hug actually before or after their matches. And what about the next one? And it's a little harder. The wrestling or hugging, right? We usually think of either or. That, that wrestle, when you're wrestling with something, is, is not embrace, embracing or hugging. But, but it's actually both. And I think that Habakkuk shows us that they're combined. That it's not an either or, but it's a both and. That you can wrestle at the same time that you're embracing. And so what we're going to do is we're going to watch through this story, watch through this book. We're going to watch Habakkuk wrestle with God. Have you ever wrestled with God? I don't know. I have. But we're going to watch him embrace God at the same time that he's wrestling with God. There's some very difficult circumstances and difficult times. And just a warning for you, this is not a sitcom sermon. You don't know what a sitcom is you know, from the good old days. Who, Family Matters fan? Any Family Matters fans? What about Land of the Lost? What about Happy Days? Have a, have a happy days. I don't know, I'm not, gonna, I'm not gonna sing. I started to sing last week and then I had to have Ben sing for me. So he's not ready for that today. Okay, he's gonna sing. Um, and then we have Brady Bunch. Brady Bunch fans, Brady Bunch. Okay, we don't have to go there, that's okay. So, but, but this is not, you know what happens in a sitcom? A sitcom is like 30 minutes long, plus with the commercials involved in there, especially longer than that. So usually in a sitcom, it starts out like there's a, lot of, there's a little bit of humor, there's like a situation going on, there's tension in the plot. But in 30 minutes, the whole problem is solved and everybody's happy, right? At the end. So Habakkuk is not that. It's not that. You won't get that message. But basically, this is what real life is, right? is attention, that sometimes things are not tied up with a beautiful bow at the end. 
Instead, there's this idea of embracing as well as wrestling. So we're going to dive in, starting in Habakkuk, verse, we're looking at the first chapter today. Habakkuk 1.1, 1, 1, the prophecy that Habakkuk the prophet received. Let's just pause there. What's a prophecy? We talked about what a prophet is, kind of spokesperson speaking for God. But the, the word prophecy, the Hebrew word is masaw. Can you guys say that with me? Masaw, masaw. You just learned Hebrew today. So it literally means an utterance or a doom or a burden. Like an utterance of doom or a burden. That God gave him a burdensome message. Something that he himself didn't like. Have you ever had a burdensome message for someone? Maybe you saw the train wreck that was about to happen and you're like, I don't like this, I don't, but I need to, like that kind of thing. So, so it's interesting, Habakkuk is one of, only, the only one of the 12 minor prophets to actually push back and argue with God. He's the only one, the only one who argues with God. And this is what he says, we read this earlier. How long, O Lord, must I call for help, but you don't listen or cry out to you, violence, but you do not save. Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Destruction and violence are before me. There's strife and conflict abounds, right? So get this, this was like 2,600 years ago. Like, could you say this today, right? Some things just don't change very much. But, but he's saying basically, okay, God, I don't get it. Like if we would say this in our modern day, you know, I don't get it. Why are there school shootings, right? Why are there children who are innocent, who are slaughtered? You know, why do we look around and, and maybe, you know, there, there's an infertile couple who would be great parents and then yet you have abusive parents who have 13 kids. You know, why do you look at people going to a doctor's appointment and, and getting killed in the process? Why do we look at people and we have hope for folks and then their cancer diagnosis is back? Why does that happen? And so he's saying, what do you have to say for that, God? Like in all of these situations, where were you? Continues, therefore, the law is paralyzed, he says, and justice never prevails. The wicked hem in the righteous so that justice is perverted. He's angry, he's angry. So Habakkuk has three major problems with God, just as he's expressed. The first, you don't seem to care, God. The second, you aren't doing much when you could, God. And in some respect, this actually acknowledges that God is all powerful and could do all that. But um, if Habakkuk were God, he would say, I would do things differently. Maybe you've said that before, like God, I would do things a little bit differently than you. But the third, what you're doing doesn't seem fair. Ever think that? You ever wondered one of these? You ever felt that? Ever been scared to feel that or scared to express that to God? Thinking, well, maybe God's like a lightning bolt's gonna come down from the sky and strike me dead and God's gonna punish me for feeling that way. But the interesting is, thing is when we look at scripture, when we look at scripture, it's actually fair game to question God. It's fair game. And not only that, but it comes, becomes a big part of many people's faith journey. Actually, if you flip to, the, flip to the book of Psalms, you see that a third of the Psalms have questions for God in it, believe it or not. The book of Job, full of lots of challenges and questions. Lamentations, like what's up God? Even Jesus himself, before he's crucified. He says like, Lord, like, can you take this cup from me? Like, do I, I'm willing, but, but God, just, just, just I don't know. So Habakkuk presents a foundational challenge for us. So usually we think our faith looks something like this, right? 
you know, what does this resent, represent? It represents life, you know, maybe it represents your favorite, whether you're Eagles fan, Steelers fan, whatever fan, you know, this is kind of their season you're hopeful of. But this, this kind of picture is a picture of our relationship with God. And I would dare say that kind of up turn there, you know, goes down sometimes, like the roller coaster at Hershey Park. And, but, and maybe for you, maybe, you know, your relationship with God or your faith, you know, there was a, a turning point that something happened or clicked in you to say, you know, maybe this stuff, like, is real. Like, maybe I should go to church. Maybe I should read my Bible. Maybe I should start investigating for myself. Maybe I should try something. And then, you know, th there's a time period in many of our stories that everything good then happens, that you feel blessed, right? I'm blessed, right? My job, the message at church, like you show up and it's like, oh gosh, every week, like there, it's like for me, I take something out of it. Uh, maybe you hear your favorite song on the radio, like you turn it on and you're just like in that mood and it lifts you up when you need it. You get the parking spots, you get your prayers answered, you get the green lights. But then something happens. There's an inflection point. Something happens that maybe someone you love gets sick or maybe things don't get better, or you lose your job. And, and so you look around and you say like, God, I thought that you were with me, right? There was all this good stuff happening, but now I'm not quite so sure. And at that point, you have a decision to make, a decision that sometimes we ignore or deny reality, that we ignore the problems, that the, the diagnosis comes and say, okay, I'm going to be healed. I'm not going to go to chemo. I'm not going to take anything. I'm just going to believe and receive. And then on the flip side, the other decision tends to be, well, we might as well forget it, right? It's just a fairy tale. I'm going to just, like, like the church thing, ah, it's not good anymore, religion. It just hurts people. Like, just get rid of that. And, and so many of us have that story. Many of us have those kind of, those decisions. But what if there's a third way? What if there's a third way that in the midst of that to embrace, but also to wrestle, to do the Habakkuk, to embrace and wrestle at the time. And that doesn't mean that things are going to get better. They might actually get worse. But there's a time that we have to embrace at the time that we wrestle. So a little bit of a story here. I went to um, three years of seminary. Uh, when I was called in the ministry and kind of like, you know, the graduate school schooling for, you know, people going in the ministry, be pastors and stuff. And um, seminary also has a nickname, believe it or not. Um, does anybody know what that nickname is? Seminary is called cemetery. Cemetery, because it kills you. It kills you and your faith. It kills you. And that's what some people had told me, is that when you go and you're taking these classes and stuff, like, that's what's gonna happen. And truthfully, I was introduced to a lot of things that I was like, wow, I didn't know that before. Introduced to reading scripture differently. Got the whole backstory on all these books in the Bible and things, the history of it. And it was interesting, many of the classes that I attended, some of the classes I attended, I looked around at some of my fellow students who you know, like grew up in church and you know, felt called by God to go into ministry. And for many of my fellow students, like what they were hearing was earth shattering. Like, oh my gosh, it was groundbreaking. Like they'd never heard this before. Some of them thought that the Bible had just like dropped down from the sky and landed in somebody's lap. And they're like, they panicked. 
And some of them actually like lost their faith and quit school and like that was, that was it. And, and so anybody that's a graduate here, going to graduate, you know, this is, I, I want you to listen up here because uh, even myself, I started to think like, well, what if this isn't true? What if all this is like man-made books, right? Just inspirational books that kind of pass along with the religion. But I had this professor, really, really great professor, very, very educated man, had several degrees and had actually been a lawyer before he went for a PhD in theology and all. And in his class, he presented things, different viewpoints and different ways of looking at things. But he said this, he said, you need to wrestle with the questions. Don't throw them out. Don't throw out the baby with the bathwater, right? Don't throw out, wrestle with the questions because it's a good thing. Don't let that, once, once again, don't say, okay, well, everything's fine. I'm just going to believe and receive. And don't do the other thing either and say, okay, well, this is all crap and I'm just moving on and getting rid of that. He said, no, wrestle with it, Chris. Wrestle and embrace it and own it. And what was interesting, I found over time that my faith actually got deeper because of that. And, and even as coming from a science background, I investigated people like Francis Collins. You know what Francis Collins did? He discovered the whole makeup of DNA molecules. That's why we know so much today, um, him and his lab. And he was actually a Christian. He, he and I, so he kind of changed my mind. He, he's actually written a really great book. I forget the name of it, but he talked about his story and even losing his daughter um, and how his faith in Christ has kind of been interwoven with his scientific work. And I thought for a second, even from looking at him, maybe, maybe you can be an intelligent, thoughtful person and still believe possible but you need to wrestle with the questions first instead of giving up wrestle with the questions and that's where chapter one of the book of Habakkuk is is to ask the question God what is this God what are you doing and some of us are there but but it, this this continues the chapter continues to God because God responds to Habakkuk but it's not what Habakkuk wanted to hear because this is what God says to him is look at the nations and watch and and be what? Be utterly amazed. For I'm going to do something in your days that you would not believe, even if you were told. He says, look at the nations and watch, and be, the Hebrew word is tama, tama, which is like for Hebrew for a sudden or alarmingness or amazed, like totally, whoa, like, wow. God's saying, when I tell you this, you're going to be like, God, what? Are you sure? So, the question that we have next is, well, what is God going about to say to him, right? Something that he did not want to hear. He says in verse 6, he says, I am raising up the Babylonians. Let's just pause there for a second. So the rule for today is anytime that I say the word Babylonians, I, the people at the time were like, they hated these people. They were evil. They were horrible. I want you to boo or hiss. Can you guys do that? Can you just get your, like, okay, you're a Steelers fan, you're playing the Eagles, you're like, right? Or your Eagles, you're playing the Steelers. Like, we're getting into football season so very soon. So can you guys do that? Okay, so ready? I am raising up the Babylonians. That ruthless and impetuous people who sweep across the whole earth to seize dwellings not on their own. They, the Babylonians, are a feared and dreaded people. They are a law to themselves and promote their own honor. Their horses are swifter than leopards, fiercer than wolves at dusk. The cavalry gallops headlong. Their horsemen come from afar. They fly like an eagle swooping to devour. They all come intent on violence. And he says, here's the story, Habakkuk. The Babylonians are worse than you. 
I'm gonna let them take over. They're gonna take over your people. I'm gonna let them take over your people. You know, sometimes God just allows things to happen. God allows things to happen more than he actually causes to happen. So this is crazy, right? Here's the deal, like, what do you do in chapter one? Like, these enemies, God's allowing them to come into the righteous people, right? Like, what's, what, what's the big deal here? What's, what's going on? And I think that presents us with a good question. Can you still be a deeply committed believer with a lot of questions? The answer is yes. A deeply committed believer, follower of God, can express simultaneous questions and faith. And for some of you guys, maybe that can set you free. To believe and be unsure at the same time. To ask the question, just like Habakkuk did, why on earth? And we see this later in Jesus. We see later that Jesus, as he's walking this earth and he has these disciples following him, there's a story of this father in Mark chapter 9 who comes to Jesus. And he wants him, he comes to him and says, hey, Jesus, can you help me, please? My, my son has this like demon and stuff and he's messing up his life, he's going crazy. Can you heal him? And Jesus says, well, all things are possible with me. And, he said, and Jesus asks the man, do you believe that? Do you believe that I can heal this boy? And the man says, I love this. He says, yes, but help me overcome my unbelief. I love that. That's, that's a both and. That's an embrace as well as a question. Oh, help me overcome my unbelief. We don't throw it all out. Because then we see in verses 12 through 14, Habakkuk expresses his simultaneous faith and questions. And he says this, he says, Oh Lord, are not you from everlasting, my God and my Holy One? And then, and then he says what? He says, we will not die. You Lord, I trust, right? I'm trusting. You, Lord, have appointed them to execute judgment. You, my rock, have ordained them to punish. Your eyes are too pure to look on evil. You can't tolerate wrongdoing. Why then do you tolerate the treacherous, right? He's doing both. Faith, but also question. He says, why are you silent while the wicked swallow up those righteous more than themselves? You have made people like the fish in the sea, like the sea creatures that have no ruler. He says... My God, my Holy One, we will not die. I trust you. I trust you. And that's the end of chapter one. I mean, there's a couple more verses after that. See, scripture sometimes leaves us hanging. There's no sitcom moment. We all tie up things beautifully with the bow. We have the questions, but then we also express the trust. And maybe that's where you're at, is that place. Chapter one is a place of questions, a lack of full understanding. And what do you do if you find yourself in chapter one in life? You do the Habakkuk. You wrestle and embrace. Wrestle and embrace, it's a both and. It's what I think is like a holy hug, really, right? You're wrestling, but you're embracing. And I think when it comes to different issues in life that we face, not just in our faith, but I think when we look around at the world and we see so many things, so many debates that are going on right now, what if we took a Habakkuk stance on that? A question and an embrace. A sense of, of wrestling and embracing. To say, you know, maybe there's 
issues of gender and sexuality and abortion and I'm wrestling and not sure about these things, but maybe I can still embrace the people regardless. Because God loves people, right? Maybe I can wrestle and embrace with certain situations and figure out and prayerfully consider, what if we took a posture of both wrestling and embracing at the same time instead of one or the other? See, wrestling, you know what that means? It means we have humility. It means we're, we're daring to say, you know, I don't understand all this. Maybe I'm not 100% right. Maybe I need to wrestle a little bit more. And then embrace, you know what embrace means? Embrace means, it rhymes with grace. It means that I have grace. Grace for others, also grace for myself. What would it look like to wrestle and embrace? And of course, I talk to a lot of people who say, you know, I can't go there with God because he's just not fair, right? He's just not fair. Maybe you've thought that, and you know what? I have to say, I agree 100%, God is not fair. But one of the beautiful things is that God is a God of justice and God is a God of grace. God is a God of justice and a God of grace, and we see that on the cross. See, it's called good news, guys, because you and I need it. We need grace. We need to receive it and to give it. And when that happens, the burden comes off our shoulders. And we realize that what happens in life or what doesn't happen in life isn't correlated to how God feels about you. And that we don't have to figure out everything to have a relationship with God and to have Jesus in our lives. Can you embrace and wrestle? Instead of choosing one or the other, maybe that's a challenge for you today. Is an issue you're facing or something in your own life that you're debating or a question that you've been wrestling with with God to say, I'm going to choose to wrestle, but also embrace at the same time.